Happy Father's Day. Boy, it's a great looking group of people here this morning. Well, it's Socket to Dad Day. What man doesn't need a new pair of socks? You need to retire some of those that the heel is about gone out of them. So, um, But Philip is coming up with some of the Royal Rangers and... Uh, Every one of these socks has a gift inside of it, and uh, before you guys get too eager to throw them, let's get two apiece to to start, two apiece, there you go, come on up, Isaac, all right, you guys kind of line up across the front here, okay, all right. We, we are going to do a disclaimer here. We're not responsible for any injuries. Because some of these kids feel like, hey, I get to beam the batter right now. Uh, listen, guys, these, these guys on the front row, don't, don't rear back and, you know, don't hurt anybody. I want all of our dads to stand. We're going to say, we're, we're going to, all right, uh, Caleb. You see if you can reach the guys up on the balcony right here. Not anybody from the side. These we're going to probably destroy these lights. But um, all right, when I say go, one person. If you got a, if you got more than one sock thrown to you, just throw it back to the person and they can do it. Okay, you ready to get? You ready to go? All right, here it goes, dads. Here's your socks. When you're ready, it's up to you. Go. Whoa. Or go on back so we can reach them. You can go on, you can go on down the row. Oh, almost. The sock behind uh, uh, David, is there a sock behind you guys? David Cunningham, did a sock fall back there? Hold on. We want every dad to get a sock before you sit down. If you get a sock, go ahead and sit down. We Are we still missing a sock upstairs? All right, throw it back. Bring it back. Did everybody get a pair of socks? All the men got a pair of socks. Okay, all right, you can put the, put the rest of them right here in the bucket, in the back, okay, go back there and get him, yeah, all right, you can put them back in, the ones we have left over, and if there's extra socks out there, all right, I want all the dads to stand again, I want you to look in your sock, there's a mystery prize, I want to, there's money in Every one of these socks, but there's one derivative of money that needs an explanation. So open up your sock and find out what derivative of money you have. $2 bill, $5 bill up here. All right. 10 20, 10 in the back, 
who got there there should be a they should oh do you got the silver coin one dollar all right i'll say something about that in just a moment it's uh that's the mystery gift did who got the 50 dollar one The 2003 one-ounce silver dollar is between 50 and $60 worth. It's worth that now. So it's a, one of these coin collections that was donated. So it's yours to keep and give it to someone else. But it's, it's getting in more and more value as silver goes up. So let's give our dads a great hand. Thank you. You may be seated. As many of you know, we had an awesome time at kids' camp a week ago, and uh, God did some neat things in people's lives, and uh, what's the likelihood of Billy getting the $50 sock, and he's going to share our testimony, so I want you to welcome Billy and David and Nathan as they come up. So he started trying to say he's got the little one. So, <laughs> um, I guess when they went to kids kids camp, he was a helper and he was going. Uh, They're all nervous about going, and we always look forward to it. That's something we push: youth camp, kids camp, men's camp. Um, we really love going. It life changes not only for the kids, but for the youth workers and even for adults. I know many many adults that have went have helped as helpers got baptized in the Holy Spirit, lives change. Um, so I'll let them explain a little bit what happened. Thank you. Okay, so it was a random day that I never knew would happen. That always happens, right? <laughs> Something happens and you don't know it. Okay, so it was a regular day at kids camp, and we were going to chapel, and I was sitting in my seat, and he called everybody up to the front, so I come up, and I'm like, okay, and I decide to pray, and so I go to pray, and I'm like praying, and one-fourth of it becomes tongues, and it just keeps going, and until it just snaps in me, and it all just changes. Like, it's put, it's pitch black. I can't see anything. I'm, like, and I'm just talking in it, and I don't even know what I'm saying, which happened to all of us. Come on. And so I'm like, okay, and when I get done, which, here's the thing. All parents should know this. It happens, we each feel different when we get the Holy Spirit in us. Nathan felt burning in his stomach. I felt passed out. I felt, and I'm not. Um, so, yeah, and we all change, and it has a different one. 
And so after that, I was a little dizzy, and I, I went to my seat, and Nathan, and Nathan, yeah, okay, I'm going to let you speak about that, but, and so I go to my seat, and we talk about it, and I learned that I was speaking in tongues that second while doing that at nine years old. It was just remarkable. And so we did it actually at the same time. We same day, same time, spoke in tongues, and it was amazing. So yeah. Thank you, thank you for that. Yeah, I want to stand up here because I feel like I'm gonna tell it. Yeah. So I'm gonna stand right here while I tell it. So it was not gift asking. So um. Um, so as what David was saying, um, I came to kids camp as a helper and I was like, you know, the first day we had, of course, all the services were like kid based down. So they had games, they had songs and they were all up in front dancing and whatnot. And I was like, okay. So the whole time, the first night I was just in my back, in the back of the seats, just watching the kids, making sure they didn't go punch somebody in the face or run off or something that kids would normally do or, uh, run to the bathroom and be in there for the rest of the service, um, and so I'll sit, I'll sit in back of first service, and I was like, you know, okay, that's cool. I'm just going to be here. I'm going to work it. The kids are going to have a great time. That's going to be it. So the second night, they um, were talking about being filled in the spirit, and they was uh, calling kids up. And then there was like, well, yeah, and thank you. And so um, they, was, uh, they was like calling all the kids up, and then she paused, and she was like, I feel like there's some leaders in here that haven't been filled with the spirit either. I didn't know they'd be talking about leaders here. And I was like, and so they were calling people up, and they called all the um, children's pastors and head pastors up to the front, and they was like, if you want to find somebody to pray with, go. And so um, I was hesitant. I was like, do I really want to? I was like, I, I don't feel like it's something that I'm, in my head, I was like worthy of because I can barely, like it's a struggle for me to keep my basic faith with Jesus, like praying, reading my Bible, just staying in faith. It's hard enough for me to do that. So I was like, you know, getting filled with the spirit, that's like a big step. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. And so I kind of like slowly walked my way up to the front. And then Caroline, who was there, was working. And she comes up to me and she was like, you should just go like find somebody to pray with. And I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. She's like, Nathan. And she's like, I when I got filled, it was like the best day of my life. And it was amazing. You should like go up there and get somebody to pray with you. And I was like, this girl talking to like I want to do I can do what I want to do and then finally I turned around I saw Pastor Lynn praying with some kids and I was like what the heck let's just do it so I went up to Pastor Lynn and I told him I said I've never been filled with the spirit before I said I was saved in this exact camp as well and so um you know there's a lot that I'm going through right now and I just don't know if I'm ready for it and she said well let's pray and let's see what happens and so we started praying and um man after not even two three minutes of sitting there and praying you know um, it started with that, like, fuzzy little feeling, like the butterflies in my stomach, and then it got, like, a lot, it got, like, hot, and I started sweating, and then just, like, just like that, and I promise you, it was, like, within a split second, it just started, like, like, my tongue felt like it was on fire, and I was, you know, <laughs> it was funny, because when it hit me, and I started speaking, Pastor was like, man, you just got hit with a double portion, and we were there, <laughs> and I don't know if y'all have ever seen Pastor Lynn cry, I know I haven't. But me and him were both having a, like a ball session. We were both sitting there crying together. And I was, you know, I was just raising my hands and I was sitting there speaking. And it felt 
when I, like, it felt like such a burden lifted off of me. I felt such an enormous amount of joy and love in me. And I sat there and I cried and I said, Lord, you still love me. Like, you still see me here. And it was just such an emotional overflow because, you know, going there, I wasn't expecting anything. I had no expectations of what I was going to get. And then um, at 16 years old, me being up there, I would never expect me praying praying with Prasker for me to get hit with a spirit like that. And man, was it just such a great moment. Um, and then I, I, after we got all done crying, I was wiping myself up with snot, and I found Caroline, I hugged her, we were both crying. I turn around, and David's over here just like hands up, just crying and enjoying it. And I was like, okay, let's go see what he's up to, because he's in the back just by himself. And so I come up behind him, and like I hear him talking, but I can't understand what he's saying. And so I go and I hug him, and I'm sitting here listening to him. He's just, he is going off like in the spirit. He is just having a moment. And I was like, I was like, I was like, is this really happening? I was like, is this like, I was, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, is he speaking Spanish or is he like actually, is he actually sitting here in the spirit? And so, yeah, I sit down with him and he's like, he's amazed. He's like just completely blown away. And he's like, Nathan, I have no idea what just happened. And I was like, David, like, like let me tell you what happened to me. And so we end up calling my parents and telling them the story. And my mom was like, this is what I've always, you know, looked forward to, both of my sons getting killed. And I was, what amazed me is, you know, every time they've had the altar call for, you know, getting killed with the spirit, I've been up there, and it's never happened. Him at nine years old, just by himself praying, and it hit him like that. And then me getting hit like that at the same time, it, I felt like it built such an emotional, it's like, what, what, what are you interrupting me for again? What are you doing? <laughs> this is not the altar call. <laughs> He's not even speaking anymore about what even happened to him, so. <laughs> so when he, what he said is when he, when he hugged me, he felt just the spirit running through me. And it was remarkable of hearing that fine daddy. That was probably the most touching thing for us as parents. Um, you want your kids to get saved, but you also want them to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, to piggyback off what Brad said, generations, generations, change your generations. Um, so I came from a very bad family. Candace came from a very bad family. Um, <clears throat> you know, drug addict, alcohol, homosexuality, a lot of that's in our family. Me and my sister are probably the only believers out of all of our family. Um, <clears throat> but to see generations change, you know, it's broke. So <clears throat> my son changed. So, and, and by no means disclaimer, we are not perfect. Candace knows we're not. And this one, we, we fight all the time. This one, he'll get there, I'm sure. Um, so, I mean, we, we have kids all the way up to 21. We have a 21-year-old girl all the way down to nine. And, and being a father is not easy, by no means. You have, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, but don't take it lightly. They watch you, everything you do. 
the most important thing as a father you can do is follow the Lord wholeheartedly, not halfway. <clears throat> so I used to be the dad that, that hated coming to church. I, I would be here. I'm like, oh, man, hey, can we stop singing? Can we get the song over with? <clears throat> because I was going about it my own, my own way. And then the Lord changed me, baptized me in the Holy Spirit after uh, asking for many years. And, uh, <clears throat> but that's a life changer. And that happened for me at Men's Retreat. You know, September 23rd, I'm plugging it in, Ash, right there. Uh, Ash is our men's, uh, men's leader. September 23rd, 24th, 25th, you want a life changer to break strongholds off your life. He can do it right now in this service, but I know for a fact he did it for me and many, many other men that he will change your life and the things that you struggle with, your kids don't have to struggle with. Brown family will never be the same. I will, I said some, a few things uh, Wednesday night that when uh, the power of God came over Nathan, I got like the spillover and uh, it was, un it's been rare that I've had those kind of experiences. I mean, rare, just a handful of times, but uh I'm just, I felt like I was blessed just standing there next to him. God's favor is an amazing thing. You seek, you will find. You knock, it will be opened. You ask and you shall receive. So uh, that's a testimony to that. Amen. I thought that'd be good for Father's Day for what happened to Nathan and David and men I had such a blast at kids' camp. Of course, we had Joshua and Abigail, our grandchildren. Our daughter, Kelly, was there just working the altars and being there and watching kids encounter the Lord. Life-changing encounters. They will never be the same. Um, their life is marked now in a way that there's no turning back. And, and they wouldn't want to turn back. But all of that awaits us if we seek after him, right? Amen. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about Father's Day, and uh, we're going to have a time of prayer at the end of the service. I want to say thank you for the children being here. I asked Nora about bringing them in because we wanted to do this as a family, and we also want to have a family prayer time here at the end. Uh, I'm excited about Tim and Marcia being here tomorrow night, uh, and Caroline and her team is going to be here. It's going to be a great Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. I think our kids are going to encounter the Lord. Um, I think Billy said something. It was in my early notes here. I thought Billy and Nathan both was going to preach my message. I was like, go ahead. Let's go ahead and preach it. But uh, there's a book called Parenting Isn't for Cowards. Anybody know who wrote that? <laughs> Believe me, I could write it. But not like Dr. James Dobson. <laughs> I can testify that it's not for cowards, that's for sure. Um, but it's, it's probably the most adventurous, it's kind of like what Billy said, it's one of the most adventurous things you'll do, it is one of the most scariest things you'll do, but every adventure has a little bit of risk factor, right? And parenting has a risk factor. Uh, I want to talk to you about the do's and don'ts of fathering. 
and it goes beyond the dads that are here. I'm going to take you to two passages of Scripture. They're almost identical except for a little bit of a difference. They both come from the pen of Paul. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And the first passage I'm going to direct you to is Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. The other one is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. They're very close to being the same thing. This is how Ephesians 4, 6, 4 reads. Fathers, and, and sorry about this, I, I think uh, Shane has it. One is in the NAS and one is in the King James. Ephesians 6, 4 in, in New American Standard. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that's all you need right there. There's your book in one sentence. What not to do and what to do. Uh, he writes this again. It's a little different in Colossians 3.21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Do you have that graphic I put up there about this is how, you, how a child looks like when you provoke them to anger? I, I need to give credit. This came from Tim Chalice's uh, uh, podcast, and he, he does a lot of articles. He's a Canadian pastor. I love to read his stuff. But when I was doing a little research, I saw that picture. So that's what it looks like when you provoke your children to anger. But he, he combines both of these verses. He says it could be like this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger lest they become discouraged, but bring them up into the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The nurture and admonition is how the King James, but we're going to talk about those words. But here's the first thing we're going to talk about, is what not to do as dads. Do not provoke your sons and daughters to anger. What is that about? How would you provoke your children? Someone says, hey, it's real easy in our house. <laughs> Yes, it is. But here's some things that we can kind of start thinking about where we can eliminate some of those anger moments, right? Anybody want to eliminate some anger moments from your house? I'm always open for that. Um, undefined boundaries is the first thing I'm going to give you. This is how we can provoke our children to discouragement, to anger, to resentment, to being withdrawn is undetermined, undefined boundaries. In other words, what is acceptable and unacceptable? In our house, I've told, I've told our grandchildren, this is a no-yell zone. We do not yell in our house. It's a no-yell zone. We don't yell. We don't yell at each other. We don't yell at you. You don't yell at us. You don't yell at each other. But that's just one of the things that kind of keeps a little bit of an order there that we really, we, we, we never yelled at each other. As long as we've been married, we never yelled at each other. At the very start of our marriage, it was like, we're not going to ever sleep on separate, uh, separate bed or sofa. We're not going to do that. We're going to, whatever we, issues we have, we're going to work it out before we go to bed, no matter how long it takes. We just had these rules that like, this is our home. We're not going to yell. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to talk down to each other. We're not going to criticize each other. We're just going to not do that. And I think with kids, kids need to have those parameters defined. They can't be fluid. They cannot be just shifting depending on how our attitude is that day, that we let some things go 
And that's probably one of the things, the hypocrisy that we might can conjure up in that don't do as I do, do as I say, that does not work. Because what kids do, kids are a good barometer of what's true. And they hate to see a double standard. And they will call us out. Sometimes their anger is more righteous than our capacity to deal with their anger. Because sometimes they get angry because of these kind of fluid moments. It's like, that's not fair. That's one of the favorite things that kids will say. That is not fair. We had one of our kids, Annabelle, got honored. There's three kids who gave the most to uh, BGMC. And she got three snacks that night, a ride on the golf cart. And I could hear the echo of people's voices, kids' voices. That is not fair. Why can't I get free snacks all evening? And that's their big thing. If they see a different standard, it's like, that's not fair. They will call us out on those undefined, un, not described boundaries that we are not really enforcing, that we don't live up to ourselves. Anger is contagious. And when they see us angry, and we can be firm without being angry. And I think all of us have to kind of like come to that point that when we see something really out of order, we can overreact to it, right? But anger is, con is contagious. We have to measure our reaction to things to where we don't come across as being mad at them, but more determining their behavior is unacceptable. That their personhood is not under attack. And uh, here's another thing, pride. And I say pride is a way to provoke our kids to anger or discouragement in this. When we mess up, speaking to men especially, because fathers are control freaks. We like to be in control. We like to have everything in order. And there's probably some moms like that here. But when we mess up and we do something wrong and they see that we do something wrong, the best thing we can do on this don't do thing is we can tell them we're sorry. But we're not going to walk in pride. We're going to admit I messed up there. I didn't, shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. Uh, I made a mistake. And this is, this is where we take care of this don't. Is that we do not allow ourselves because we're the dad. We're in charge. We're the one responsible for things. And, and here's another thing. And I'm, I'm going to. I'm not spending a whole lot of time on this, but we can't be aloof. We can't be detached from our kids, from our grandkids. Meaning children are wanting attention. If we don't give our children healthy attention, they will get it some other way. Right? I, you know, Brendan and I, we, we're, we're, we're I, I'm not going to say we're old. We just feel old. Especially after going to that Alabama adventure twice in three days we're just old people and we got older as the day went on but i was comfortable just sitting at the picnic table and watching our cows and stuff yeah but i noticed i, I just love people i could go to the mall and and, and let her shop and, and she prefers it that way but just watch people anybody like to just watch people I love watching people. I love to see how they interact. And, and there was this couple not far from us, a lady and a man. I, I assumed they were the parents of this little three-year-old. 
that was near them all the time walking away from them pointing down at the waiting pool and they're not doing anything and he points to the waiting pool all the way down he could not be more than three years of age the dad has got his back turned to the kid with his cell phone and the mom is looking at him shaking her head no and she goes back to what she's doing all the time he's moving further and further away i'm watching watching this unfold i want to say hey don't go there but i'm you know i'm not going to do that he walks all the way about 90 feet from where they're at and gets into the waiting pool a foot deep, and the lifeguard is watching, and they still don't know where that kid's at. Well, that's when you can say people have become just so distracted that they're not even involved in their three-year-old's life. We can make that mistake in our own homes. We can be so into what we want to do that we're not paying any attention to our children and they will get your attention in another way. And usually it's not a good way, right? But what about the other side of this? But bring them up in the nurture and admonition. Bring them up, raise them up into the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And may we not forget how it's defined as that. It's the Lord's instructions. It's the Lord's discipline. It's not our discipline. It's the Lord's discipline. It's what the Lord wants. Teaching them. You know, teaching takes time. Explanation takes time. And the, the brief explanation that we like to use is because I said so. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the brief explanation. But we feed more than food to our children. We feed more than substance for their physical bodies. We feed them examples. We feed them information by our own lives. And he says, bring your children up. Take time to explain things. Take time to talk to them, to listen to them. I tend to be a little hawkish when I'm around kids. I'm, uh, I guess I'm, I'm like that, a little very hawkish. I want to know where they're at, what they're doing, what's going on, and I'm, I'm trying to keep up with them, and that's hard to do sometimes. So child-proofing your home. You know what? Whoever invented Legos had it in for parents and really had it in for tender-footed grandparents. Those little things should not be allowed to be sold. So that's a danger to, to parents and grandparents, Legos. But we ought to say, what is in this house that could be harmful? From everything we look at, what? how can we ensure that we're going to bring our children and when we have our grandchildren, how can we be sure that we're bringing them up in the nurture and admonition, the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Teaching them God's word, sharing God's word, reminding them, rehearsing the stories of God's word, and leading them by example. Children want to model who they're around. That ought to be a, a moment for us to say, what am I modeling around my children, my grandchildren? If you want children to learn how to pray, guess what you should do? Pray with them. They should hear you pray. Dads, your children should hear you pray. They should hear you pray over them. This is the positive side of parenting. Fathers should pray with their children, and they should learn how to pray through you. In fact, I think the best way to communicate the heart of God to your children is through prayer. You know, when you're talking to God over your son and over your daughter, you're 
in a three-way conversation that they're picking up things of God's nature as you pray. Pray over them. They're worth. No greater love hath any body shown than someone lay down his life for another, right? That's what Jesus said. When we're praying and we pray that God loves them so much that Jesus went to the cross and suffered enormous pain and was buried and was raised again the third day because he loved them so much he put worth on their life. You can't rehearse this too much. You can't say this too much. You cannot pray this until it becomes ordinary and mundane. I'm telling you, every time we pray that, I believe God honors that prayer and reinforces in their mind he gives them worth. Respect is something that we were raised with as baby boomers. Let me tell you something. If you got in trouble at school when I was a kid, you were, you were in trouble at home. And they didn't need to go down and ask the teacher what happened. They took matters into their own hands. And whatever the teacher did or the principal did, I only got two paddlings of my entire life in school. It was in junior high, both of them. One of them was for chewing gum. The absolute the worst thing you could do in class was to chew gum. So I could, I'm getting a spanking because I forgot to take my gum out after lunch. That's terrible. I was such a, a, a troublesome child, depending on chewing gum. But we respected our teachers. We respected those in authority. And it seems like there's been an, a diminishing of that. I'll put it that way. We need to earn the children's respect and reinforce that respect. Giving, sharing. Things that can be difficult for children. Th things were difficult for children at certain ages of sharing because after they learn the word mama and daddy, their next word that they learn is mine. And no. But mine, mine, any kids get around their stuff, mine, that's mine. That might be the only one of three words they know, but they're going to wear it out. Mine, it's mine, it's my territory. Or they are really good at observing rotations. It's my turn. I had it first. You haven't heard any of that, have you? You've heard a little bit more of it lately, but that's all right. But we need to train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it, right? Reward the right, deprive the wrong. We need to encourage them when they do something right. We need to really say that you did great. We need to share, celebrate that. But we can't let the wrong go on without being addressed. When we make a mistake, when we, wrong, when we reward wrong, the worst sort of signal is, is when you give a child the thought that they can get away with something and that they're rewarded for it. That's a terrible thing to do. I'll never forget hearing for the first time in my classroom, you know, I think of maybe 10, 11 years of age, somewhere in that. I came home and I asked my dad, I said, Dad, I, I heard some kids talking about allowances. And they get $1 a week or $2 a week for allowance. I was just wondering why, why we don't get an allowance. And he said, well, who does your clothes? I said, mother. And he said, well, that's pretty good, isn't it? You don't have to do it right, mom. Who cooks your food and feeds you? Mom. You don't have to do it right. 
mercy? That's a pretty good allowance, I think. I said, yes, sir, that's a really good allowance. <laughs> that, that was the end of discussion for allowances. And even when I went to college, he was like, I'm not giving you any spending money. I'm not buying you a car. I'll pay for your schooling, but you've got to figure out what you're going to do after you get there. So I hitchhiked to Jack State for half a, sem- half a year of my freshman year, and I decided to part with some of my savings and buy me an old 65 Mercury Comet that had a lot of blue smoke coming out of the back of it. But he wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to reward me for something I didn't do. He wanted me to earn that, and it never crossed my mind in all of the financial situations we ever got in, me losing a job when she was very pregnant with Jason, and they shut down that Georgia-Pacific lumber mill, and that was our only income. It never dawned on me to call my dad and ask him, you know, that's, that's for that generation. That's not the current generation. But it never dawned on me because he instilled in me that you've got to determine how to be a good steward. And part of that to-do thing, part of that to-do thing is how you handle money. And he preached it. He was like memorizing the Proverbs. Don't ever co-sign for even your brother. <laughs> That's a big no-no. Unless you want to pay the debt, don't ever co-sign. Don't even co-sign for your brother, he would tell me. What was he doing? He was teaching me stewardship. He was teaching me the fundamentals of financial management. And I never once picked up the phone and says, you know what, I'm in a pickle here and I don't know what to do. It's kind of like he framed me so that when I got to that point, her and I would sit down and we'd pray about it and decide what can we do, what's our next step, how are we going to handle this. And that was it. We never called him back. Didn't call her parents, didn't call my parents. We just, we never thought about it. It's not like we resisted. And I think it goes back to that training, the do's and the don'ts. Jesus, Jesus told Peter, listen to this, and I'm, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. Jesus told Peter this. He says, you're going to fail me not once, not twice, but tonight you're going to fail me three times, Peter. But did you know he never told Peter he was a failure? He didn't say that. That's a different thing. That's talking to someone's personhood, not someone's behavior. He was saying, Peter, you're going to bomb out very bad tonight. But I've prayed for you, and when you get over it, help your brothers. Strengthen the others. Because all of you are going to have a bad night tonight. All of you are going to have a sad night. All, to the, to the, every person, no, not me, not me, not me. Not me. He, he warned them, says, you're not going to do well tonight. But he never told them that they were failures. There is a difference when we address children's behavior and when we address them as a person. We should never, never criticize them as a person. Would you stand with me? We need to remember to guard our words, to guard our hearts, to guard our hearts. Fathers, today, I wish you happy Father's Day. And I pray that God would use you to influence your children, influence your grandchildren in a positive way. Here's what I wanted to do. All of the, I saw, I saw that Joshua was, and he didn't come back in. I, I, want, I want you to come with me.
two kids or your grandkids and answer, coming to the kids in the front or the row. It's kind of interesting. Joshua said, you know, when you call the adults down to the altar, be sure you call the children. And then he leads on that. But I want the children to come to the front, and I want the parents to be behind them. So I want, we're going to pray over these. I want, I want especially fathers to lay hands on their children They can face you if you want to. That's good. But I, I definitely want to see parents with children in front of them and little ones. This is your first Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to Tolliver, his first Father's Day. That first one is amazing, isn't it? It's miraculous. Here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to lay hands on them of the Lord over them. And you're going to sing this. You need to be ready to start singing 